Hello, I'm Emma Rice, the Artistic Director of Wise Children, and you're listening to Wise Children's Lockdown. Our Lockdown Project is about us finding ways of staying close to each other. On this show, I call up an old friend, play some records, and most importantly, get to chat and reminisce. Come and join us for Tea and Biscuits. Hello and welcome to, I can't believe I'm going to say these words again, lockdown tea and biscuits because we're in our second lockdown and I thought I wouldn't have to say those words again but I am and today I'm delighted to be talking to the amazing and wonderful Audrey Brisson. Hi. Hello, hello. Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Right, first thing I have to ask you most importantly is what is your virtual or real biscuit of choice today? Well, I went with, um, I don't even know what they're called, a Dove's Farm Organic, the types of biscuit that you get um, at the bottom of a cheesecake. This is like a oh, like di- digestive. digestive. Um, I wanted to have a madeleine, but I didn't know if that was going to um, count as a biscuit. Probably not. So I went for the digestive. Well, it looks delicious. <laughs> and I don't think anybody's too worried, <laughs> apart from the... European Union and the Brexiteers. I don't care whether a Madeleine is a biscuit or not. So you don't All right. <laughs> Next time. <laughs> now, I always ask um, my friends and guests to describe their lockdown and never have I been more excited to talk to anybody about their lockdown as I am about asking you. Audrey, what's happened over the last few months for you? Oh, well, the lockdown was perfect timing. Um, I spent the entire lockdown uh, nesting, getting fatter and fatter, and then pushing a baby out of me. <laughs> um, and and it's, it's been absolutely lovely. I had no fear, no fear of missing out, no interesting projects happening around me that I couldn't be part of because nothing was happening. It's like I've created this lockdown um, and then when I'm ready to get back to work, the lockdown will stop. That's oh, what's happened. That's <laughs> magic timing, hasn't it? It really, really, really has been. Uh, we've had the opportunity to, to just get to know this family unit and uh, and and at a slow pace. The only downside is a family. You know, we, we we've had um, no no real opportunity to have the family around us but um otherwise and actually you know what even that as much as i love the family it's also been nice to get to figure it out by ourselves without having the uh, no but you should do it like that um, <laughs> comment <laughs> well i know and the lack of responsibility is sort of amazing to not have to feel guilty about whether the family is seeing you enough just lots of decisions have been taken out of our hands it really has. And um, like I was speaking to my midwife about it, the amount of babies, I don't know if you know, Emma, but um, in the first week of your <laughs> the baby's life, um, the baby loses weight mm-hmm. and then it gets, it gets um, fat again. Um, and the midwives was telling me that with the lockdown situation, women just can sit down, relax, have their baby on their boob and just just feed and so the babies gain more weight quicker wow. so it's been good it's been good and 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 relaxing and you know the tv's on i rarely get out of my pajamas and um <laughs> it's lovely it sounds absolutely perfect and i'm enjoying it i don't i, I we, you know we we've, we've got lots to talk about but I, it's if i'm been in a good journey for you adventure. it really has it really has it's it's uh 
it's a learning curve. It's, uh, of, of, I mean, of course, it's, it's scary at times. It's overwhelming. It's exhausting. I don't remember the last time I slept more than four hours in a row. Um, but uh, it, it's, you know, when they say suddenly you understand something that's bigger than yourself and you don't. I, I suffer from from anxiety sometimes. I have been known to suffer from anxiety in my life, and and suddenly having a baby or someone that absolutely needs you. Um, in a way, it relaxed me. It, it's taking it out of my head and my my you know the need to worry about myself. I, I can't. I don't have time to do that anymore. So it's um, it's been it's been great. It's been really great. I mean, having said that, I am entering the fourth month apparently when they stop sleeping and start crying all the time. So oh, it's be fine. I'm delighted for you. You know this anyway. You know, but I'm just yeah. delighted. You know and. Um, yeah, I think have it all, and I think I think what you've described is is what I witness as a non-mother. You know, is that it makes sense. Mm. Everything sort of falls into place a little bit. So I'm just thrilled, and and I'm thrilled that the lockdowns brought such a sort of peace as well. Um, it really has to fall into that gap. Because don't, don't you find that it's it's forced everyone to slow down? You know, regardless of having a new family, it feels like everybody just had the, the, the you know we're forced to sit, slow down, look at life. And I think it's 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 not a bad thing because I think we were going too fast. Everything was always too fast. People were forced to, you know, look up from their phones a little bit and just start talking to each other, which is ironic considering we couldn't see each other. It, me- it meant that you wanted to reach out more because you couldn't see the people that you wanted to. It's talk very to. true. It's very true. Anyway, I, I'm so desperate to talk to you about all things but we should probably move on to our tea and biscuits and i would yes no yes <laughs> what is your first record choice and why have you chosen it um if you want me to stay by sly and the family stone now this song um i don't know if you know emma but uh, uh i worked with a company called Cirque du soleil as a child <laughs> <laughs> and um the sound man um Back, so we're talking about back in 1996, the sound man would always use this particular song for his sound check at the very beginning. And I would sit in the tent, a big tent that sits 2,500 people, and I would listen to that song and he would just jam up the bass. And it's the bass line of that song that I adore. And so every time I hear that song, it brings me back to you know, the beginning of my career in the tent, listening to the wonderful bass. And now when I hear this song, if the bass isn't nice and strong, I'm just very disappointed. It's all about the bass. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go and then you'll know for me to stay I got to be me You'll never be in doubt That's what it's all about You can't take me for granted and smile Count my days, I'm gone Forget reaching me by phone Because I promise I'll be gone for a while When you see me again I hope that you have been The kind of person that you really are now We got to get in straight How could I ever be late When you're my woman Taking up my time Oh, oh, oh. how could you ever allow I guess I wonder How 
Tell you, you've made um, Mr. Simon Baker very happy with that choice. Oh, good. <laughs> um, I need to talk to you a little bit more. Tell me a little bit more about your Cirque du Soleil background and and where you come from, because you're you're a UK citizen by choice, aren't you? I am. So I was born in Montreal. Canada, the uh, the city. Um, actually, that's that's a lie. I was going to say a big fat lie. The 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 province of Quebec, being where the Cirque du Soleil world um, was born, in the same year um, that I was born, actually, 1902. <laughs> um, so yeah, so my father joined the Cirque. I think a few years after it started, as a musician, then became the band leader, then became the composer, and I just grew up traveling with with him and my mother worked with them for a while as well and um, I started just being the child that follows the parents and then eventually found myself on stage. The first show that I was in was in 1989. I was four years old and there was an act at the end of the show. We were 16 people on one bicycle. There was a little one at the top. Um, and I, I remember every time, you know, there'd be like this big entrance of me coming on stage with my two little ponytails running on stage and everyone in the audience going oh and I hate it because I was like I am a professional don't start oh me why are you anyway uh, and now I would love the audience to ah oh, when I come on stage um but, but I, love, uh, I love the use of the word eventually I became part I, I appeared on stage you were four Audrey I mean it doesn't it's not it's not usual it's not normal is it i know i know and i remember i was in the show and between shows i had to have a nap as you do and i hated it i hated having a nap and my father said to me it's either you have a nap or you stop the show and you go back to montreal because by, by then my mom had moved back to montreal and i hated nap so much that i said I, i'll go back to montreal so i just left i left sir because i did not want to sleep now, I need to confirm that with my mom, but I have a feeling that I went back to Montreal and then carried on napping as well. So I was, um, I, did, I did not win in that bargain. But then, uh, say six years later, my father was offered his first job as uh, main composer for the show Kidam. And I was part of the creation as the singer main character and then left on tour for five years without my parents. Um, 
so yeah, that was a, an interesting experience. Loved it at the time, but would I send my own daughter for five years now on tour without me? I don't know, Emma. And how old were you when you started that tour? Eleven. Mm. 11 years old and finished. And I think, actually, having said that, I think it's easier when you're younger because you can just, I don't know, deal with everything that's thrown at you. But when you're a young teenager, you need to be with people your own age to discover the things that a teenager has to discover with other people who haven't discovered these things. I'm a little bit dumbstruck because I've known you for many years now and I don't think I realised that. I knew about you performing when you were four, but I also knew that you had parents around you. I didn't realise ah. that you were on tour as a... Yes, I was. Through puberty, by yourself. Through puberty, That's exactly. extraordinary. And I think because, um, you know, there were laws of, you know, the, the, the circus had to have a visa for underage people being allowed to work in their shows and everything. And so you, you the, it was quite strict, the things that you're allowed to do and not allowed to do. So ironically, I had more freedom when I was 11 than I than I had when I was 14 or 15 because I wasn't allowed to go outside the circus area, the tent, wherever, the, the site, sorry, thank you. I wasn't allowed to go outside the tent without a supervisor. God. I wasn't allowed to go sleep over at places. Sorry, I'm starting to go, oh, what was me? It was great. It was really great. I, I learned a lot on stage. Well, and the great thing is, is that you're still doing it. So it didn't knock it out of you. It didn't knock the... the no joy of performance out of you but it is pretty oh, but it did for a while though it really did i went and studied sociology at university and i said i never wanted to be back on stage ever again so uh for, for two years i went anti-arts um and, and and studied yeah social sciences but that didn't last and i needed i needed people to go ah oh, when i go on stage <laughs> you say that i'm going to talk about your academia in a bit but we're going to have another record so yes we met um Many moons ago, I can't remember the year. Can you remember the year? When we met in 2011. 2011. Blimey. And mm. I was looking for, I was going to create a show called The Wild Bride, and I wanted, um, it was a folk tale that I loved, and I wanted the, the, the main woman, our heroine, to be played by three actors at different stages in their life. And I was looking for the youngest version of my hero, my heroine. And you walked through the door and, well, I'll never forget it. There were there, there are magic moments in your life and it was one of them. I mean, I hope you don't mind me saying, but you're tiny. You walked this <laughs> tiny, exquisite French-Canadian woman carrying uh, an accordion almost the same size as yourself, <laughs> it seemed. And then singing more beautifully than anybody had ever sung whilst playing the accordion and I mean I it was you know you had me at a hello there was no way I wasn't giving you this part Um, and and you've never disappointed me and we actually made two shows in that company but my first choice is Crossroads from The Wild Bride which is the moment at the end of your section of the story your hands have been chopped off by the devil and you're about to hand over to the the second iteration of this character and almost within this song we hear the woman bursting out of the child and it's a phenomenal record and what and a lovely little link is Simon um, Baker here uses this track as his soundtrack 
um, track. So I hear this lots. This, uh, this is a big part of our life together. So I love the fact that you chose a sound check track as well. So here's ours, um, Crossroads from Wild Bride. Went down to the crossroads, soulful love walk. Went down to the crossroads, demons in tow. Won't somebody, won't somebody help me please? Crossroads, composed by Stu Barker, lyrics by Carl Gross. You can hear Stu McLaughlin's beautiful voice in the background and Patricia Kuliowska on violin. God, it was a good show. I think it's to this day one of my favourite shows ever. It was such a beautiful one. So, so full of of, uh, life, love, drama, funny talented people in it it was it was such a yeah I love that that show love it's, it love it I, I'm not very sort of sentimental about myself I love the age I am I love the moment I am in life but I sometimes look back at shows and I feel nostalgic for the person I was at that time and I'm definitely nostalgic for this show I feel I feel I was really in my groove I was in my groove at knee high I was in my mm. with the folk culture and the and the the, the way that the physical and the movement were all working together. I, f- I feel, you know, I'm a little bit more complicated at the moment and I embrace that. But I listen to that that track and I think, wow, we were we were on a roll at that time. 
I think that um, I am one of the few very lucky performers um, to have worked with you in the sense that two shows that I've done with you, The Wild Bride and Flying Lovers of Vitebsk, were shows that you had done years before and that you were revisiting and recreating. And so it felt like we were diving in, in such a personal part of your world. And so, yeah, it's always felt very... Um, privilege to see that to see you recreating and revisiting something completely new well that that's very interesting and it's true because when you do revisit work because the wild bride was originally a show i made in hungary with mm-hmm. ava magyar's shaman theater was was a show called the handless maiden which was completely different but the same subject matter and i think we were able to dive much deeper and much quicker into the material because i really knew why we were doing it and what I wanted to do and did have this amazing company of women you Patricia Kuliowska Ava Magyar amazing yeah absolutely amazing trio um and you were all absolute stars I mean that was what was amazing it was while it was like watching an Olympic relay race you know when like the Jamaicans are making are doing the 100 meter relay and everyone is better than the last you know it was just amazing to watch the three of you smash it although do you remember Audrey it still makes me laugh so because <laughs> I had this oh, no. big idea that the, the, the same character would be played by the three women and and I did um, manage to find and employ three of the most charismatic superstar performers to do it then I had this idea that you would all become one at the end and do this really simple thing that you'd be in like a caterpillar all dancing with the, with your prince and it was the one thing none of you could do could you it was like you were the most amazing solo performers could you all just step <laughs> quietly together we used to call it the blob didn't we patty used to go the blob i remember I hate the blob, hate the blob. <laughs> <laughs> that's it we all wanted to be individuals we didn't want to be a group we didn't want all alpha women <laughs> <laughs> I used to just laugh. I used to think I do not understand what is so hard. Just <laughs> it was I think like, I've t- it was like being in bed together, wasn't it? You'd always get the giggles and tread on. <laughs> like a, a line dance, but just like completely misorganized and everything, with Stu Goodwin on the other side. <laughs> oh wow, I'd completely forgotten about that. <laughs> the blob. <laughs> Oh, really fabulous show though and the set designed by Bill Mitchell who sadly is not with us anymore so I'm, I'm so romantic about that time and that piece of work and I'm always saying this but we bloody should do it again one day I think so I absolutely think so I don't know if I'm young enough to be the young one though Oh, you are. It's theatre. The magic of theatre. There you go. I was fishing for a compliment. You used to look young, Audrey. <laughs> oh, do you know what? Thinking of you looking young. I, the other, because I've been looking forward to talking to you. Do you remember when the Wild Bride went to Wellington and they refused to serve you in the bar? And Mike what was beautiful. to walk out. <laughs> Absolutely. That was such a wonderful thing. People just, you know, I thought, okay, they're just going to let me outside. They're going to have a drink and forget all about me. No, Mike Shepard just completely rallied everyone going, if Audrey's not allowed in, we're not coming in. <laughs> uh, it was beautiful. And then um, he uh, tripped me on purpose and I fell on the floor and my Kindle broke. Oh, to this day, he still owes me a Kindle, Mike Shepard. That is Mike Shepard encapsulated, isn't it? The rescuer 
and the vandal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he couldn't he couldn't deal with having done such a beautiful act <laughs> that he needed to ruin it. Oh, I love him. Oh. <laughs> and what's your second song choice and why? My second my second song choice is River by Johnny Mitchell. Um because she's Canadian, I'm Canadian and the words of her saying just talking about her country and the snow and how it's not here and the nostalgia of home really resonates for me i i i am um, a lover of 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 england the uk and yet i miss home very much so especially with this lockdown i haven't been home in almost 2 years i haven't seen my siblings in almost 2 years and so this song really resonates for me going as much as i love being here there's not not no place like home and the snow and and if i could i would fly over there it's coming on christmas they're cutting down trees they're putting up reindeer and singing songs of joy and peace so oh, i wish i had a river i could skate away on but it don't snow here stays pretty green i'm gonna make a lot of money then i'm gonna quit this crazy scene i wish i had a river i could skate away on i wish i had a river so long i would teach my feet to
Oh. <laughs> well, Canada's losses are again. Why did you come here? Oh, so my my father lived here uh, for for a few years back in mid mid well two thousand four five six. And I auditioned for drama schools both in New York and in London. Um, got accepted in New York, and that would have been, you know, the closest place to home. But London seemed like a more interesting, challenging place to go. The, it's all about the language, which, which was a bigger challenge for me. I mean, I, I spoke English, but didn't master it as, um, as well as French. Uh, and my father, yeah, as I said, my father was here, so it was just the easiest. But I thought I would only be here for three years. I'd do this, my studies and then I would go back to Montreal and, and use whatever I'd learned here over there. And uh, I don't know why, I stayed. I stayed, even though after... Do you feel that you ever made that decision or do you feel that events just... Was there a moment when you decide, when you chose to stay? Well, so I... I at the time, I, I was uh, uh, in a relationship with a, with a Frenchman who lived in Paris, and so it was easier to travel to and fro from London than than Montreal. Um, and there were there were there were times when I I really wanted to go back, and I was really close to going back. Then there was no work, no nothing, and uh, and I, I hadn't made London my home yet. It, it was still. A foreign city, a place that I, I'd been here for a few, and then my father had gone, so I was very much on my own here. And uh, and then I met you <laughs> two years in, and and that was a complete game changer. And suddenly it felt like my London, England, now UK family was growing, and um, and and I stayed, and and I I still have moments of wanting to go back. Of course. In, in a utopia, in a dream world, I, I do half and half. I'd, I'd go to Montreal as much as I can, and then come back here and and um, and our Wales. Oh God, so so many places. <laughs> You're an international citizen, you know. I know. <laughs> anything, life's long. Anything's possible. But I'm just, you know, I feel so lucky that you were here and that we met and and that we've got you here for as long as it lasts. So yeah. As I say, England's gain. Um, yeah. But you were also not only, when I met you, you were studying for an MA, weren't you, as well? I was, English literature. And I remember I even um, interviewed you <laughs> for one of my essays in the, the um, was it the dichotomy of, um, what was it? Oh God, it was about Don Juan. And I was uh, interviewing I'm, I'm, I haven't got two brain cells to rub together. But I really wanted to mention your academia because for the girl that was thrown onto stage at four and <laughs> was sort of with the circus, you've managed, you're such a high achiever. I mean, no wonder you've had anxiety, Audrey. <laughs> I've never known anything like it. And I was also reminiscing that we once did, um, you did the original workshop for my show with Michael Morpurgo, 946. Yes. And we were sat round at the barns, all of us knee-high duffers, Michael Morpurgo and you, Audrey. And we started talking about how dreadful we were all were academically. <laughs> and we decided, and then lovely Michael was also saying that he was not very good academically, that he hadn't got a very good degree. And we we lined up um, how, how many 
qualifications we had. <laughs> and I think it was Tristan Sturrock was at the bottom because he's got none. I think he's got something like <laughs> two N-levels or something. But you were at the top. You were the most qualified, cleverest person in the room at that point. And you were above Michael Murpurgo. I'll always remember oh, that. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you go. That's going to be my one-liner in parties. Did you know? I'm... <laughs> I don't remember that. You know all these stories that I don't remember. Ah, baby brain. Very well, because it was so pathetic how little education we had between us in that room. And you sort of, (laughs) you trumped like the whole of knee height single-handedly. It was hilarious. See, my thing is I don't finish them. So I've got, I've got almost a degree in sociology back in Montreal, but I'm missing a few classes because I decided to stop it all and come here and study acting, which I have completed. So I have got a degree in that. And then I did this postgraduate in English literature because nothing else was happening and I wanted to keep myself busy. But then I met you. So I never finished it. Well, I tell you, this industry is a mystery to me. How a performer like you could not have been snapped up immediately is (laughs) beyond me. So I'm going to go for my next um, choice. Go on. um, Again, in that first job, we made this big, important piece of work, Wild Bride, but we also made almost a disposable piece of work, which was for the (laughs) Nehemiah Asylum, and it was called Midnight's Pumpkin, and it was designed to be a party so it was a retelling of cinderella and the the big idea is that the balls would be the intervals and that the audience would dance so we built a big dance floor and it was such a joyful um show and you were my cinderella and we rehearsed it in something ludicrous like two weeks it was it was sort of thrown together on instinct and joy we had such a laugh and my choice is jesse j's price tag because he used to sing this in one of the balls. I haven't got your version, sadly, but this is Jesse J. No, no, that's good. <laughs> and this is the memory of those crazy nights in a Cornish field okay. when the whole audience would be dancing. Stu Goodwin would be teaching them steps and you bashing it out of the park like a rock star.
the love, so we fight and sacrifice every, every night. So we ain't gonna stumble and fall, never. No. Waiting to see us in the sign of defeat. Uh-uh. So we gonna keep everyone moving their feet. So bring back the beat, and then everyone sings. It's not about, about the money. money, money. It's a smile on my face. <laughs> you know that Midnight's Pumpkin is my father's favorite show. Is it? Yep. So you say that it was one that was thrown so quickly and it was a laugh and everything. And yet he still talks about it. He oh. said that it brought him back to his childhood. It was just he 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 loved watching the show and he loved watching the audience love the show. And yeah, so to this day he still talks about it. Oh, that makes me very happy. I loved this show and it was that and it did have a circus feel about it. And of course you were up on your hoop as well. It was it was magic. Uh, but oh, it I was. love the fact that it was very unintellectual. It was unashamedly about having a good time and enjoying each other and enjoying this the best of stories. The best oh. of stories, Cinderella. But you were the perfect Cinderella as well. <laughs> oh. It was a joy. A joy. I remember, um, I don't know, from the, the moment when uh, there's a letter. <laughs> I was trying to be kind to you, Audrey, and I wasn't going to bring this up. So I'm delighted that you are. Mm. Tell me about the letter. And the letter was not in the envelope. And <laughs> and um, silly me, I, I hadn't learned the, the, the script of the letter. And I just turned around and I think I'm going but if there was the letter what would it say <laughs> utter panic utter panic learn your lines people even if you have to read a letter it was the funniest <laughs> thing I think I've ever seen on stage that but then that mouse had to stick his head out <laughs> if there was a letter what might it say <laughs> And actually, it was in the box. You just—it was. I know exactly. It just—it oh. wasn't in the envelope, and I panicked. We laugh about oh. it more often than you would know. <laughs> <laughs> when I can't find something, Simon says that if you could find it, what would it say? <laughs> Thanks, Simon. Um, give me your next choice because we're going to move on from the Wild Bride soon. But what have you chosen? Well, so it is a song from the Wild Bride. Um, the Wild. No, I don't even remember what it's called. You just said it to me. The Wild. I the Wild. Think it's called Into the Wild. We called it. Into the Wild. There you go. So it was uh, the song that I sang 
uh, after the switch from myself to Patrizia, and Patrizia was doing this wonderful dance in the forest, kind of discovering herself as the woman, the wild, without her hands and finding her freedom. And um, I chose this song because it, I think it was the, the beginning of a new era in my career and in my confidence. I remember being in a trailer with Stu Barker uh, recording that song. And I think when we recorded it, it was supposed to be just a, a little test to show you. And he gave me like a general line, an idea of what to sing. And then he said, just go, go for it. And I was never good at improv improvising. I was never good at trusting it, at, you know, inventing what is in the letter when there's no letter. And then suddenly, um, I don't know what happened. I opened my mouth and out it came. And it, it was a revelation. And so every time we would sing that song, in the show, it was my, my one moment to feel free, to feel, to, to push the boundaries, to, 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 to hear this amazing voice and the potential of what I could do with it. And I, I it's just, yeah, it's the beginning of a new chapter.
gives me goosebumps. It's. I think it's the only track that I listen to and I don't cringe. And I go, you know what? I'm really enjoying. I'm proud of 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 this. I'm proud of, yeah, of, of that track. It was such great. And the second time that we did the Wild Ride, um, wonderful Damon Dono joined us, and he sang with me. He had a harmony on it, and I remember being behind the tree. So we would sing. We weren't, you know, we weren't seen. We only heard. And just having this vocal banter with him was was a. As you know, he's got a wonderful, wonderful voice, isn't he? Oh, he's not bad. And a brilliant yeah. track by Stu Barker. And yes. It's amazing for me to listen to as well because, oh, you know, these months have been such a period of reflection for me. But, but I think, you know, you talk about what that track meant to you, but actually it meant a lot to me because it feels like you were bringing in a lot of my Eastern European background and which, as I say, that show was first made in Eastern Europe, that you were, you were really musically reaching out and pulling my influences together into something fresh and modern. It's like Portishead meets, meets Poland, you know, and I, I think, you know, I can't believe my luck. That track is phenomenal. Phenomenal. I agree. (laughs) Modesty. Um, Modesty. We went on to make Flying Lovers of Viteps together. We did, didn't we? Is the show that we're about to live broadcast in a couple of weeks, I know, to breathe life back into, which was a show so close to my heart. Um, It had originally been made by Theatre Alibi many decades ago. Um, I I played Bella and Dan Jameson, the writer, played Mark Chagall. And um, it, it, it was so long ago, there isn't even an archive of it. It doesn't exist. There's not a script. I think it was written on one of those funny Canon star writers. You know, it didn't exist anywhere. Um, and there was no video. And I said to Dan, I, I want to return to this, you know, and, and no longer think of it as our show. What if we rewrote it? And it had a complete rewrite. I knew... <laughs> Of course I knew it was going to be you. You look like her. You are Bella and you've got that voice. And I cast the amazing Mark Antolin. And it was, like you say, we we dove deep into the subject matter. I was actually at the Globe by the time we made this. So we made it quickly. We made it in two chunks, didn't we? We did, yeah. You two were like slippery mercury together, vocally and physically, just watching. I've never loved being older and not being an actor more because watching something that was so close to my heart being given away and matched and grown and oh it was so magic and 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 the way that you work together so intimate and profound that it's it's really one of my proudest moments mm. oh I, I wasn't do you remember how easy it was mm. that the rehearsal process it felt like it was just I don't know, floating, flowing. It was the word. Didn't it? It just fell yes. out of us. Um, the music, Ian Ross, who composed the music, the music was falling out of him. You and Mark, like almost falling like like the the, the lovers in Mark Chagall's pictures. It was, it was easy. And and you have to have that. You know, we're so indoctrinated that work's hard and that the process is hard and that it's a difficult job. And I just don't agree with that. I think I think when things are joyful and right, they happen easily and that you, you should, when that's happening, it's like surfing. And we were Agreed. surfing on this show. We really were. We really, I'm really excited. To, I've, you know, I've, I've been listening to the music, reading the script, working on the script for the last week and a bit. And it's just, it's just like honey. It's, it's, it's amazing. And 
so it's the third time I'm revisiting this show because we did it the first time and then a year later we went to Edinburgh with it and um and that's what's great is that every time you revisit it and then there's another layer coming in and you just you think oh what I didn't understand that line this way and you know that there was a part piece of the show a moment in the script that I always struggled with and it kind of completely clicked three days ago I'm saying that I really hope so okay we're gonna start rehearsals in two weeks and I was gonna go oh hang on a minute <laughs> that doesn't make any sense um but no god I love that piece I really love it and I cannot wait as frightened as I am I you know I've had a baby less than four months ago <laughs> absolutely no call whatsoever and it's like a double rake isn't it that says the wonderful design of <laughs> Sophia wow um yeah, really looking forward to it. Well, it's a short burst. I'm just delighted that you said yes. I wasn't, you know, when I made the call, I thought, I wonder, you know, having just had a baby, whether this woman will want to do that. And you were like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm going to do it. I, I could not say no. I could not say no. We're trying to jiggle, you know, how we're going to fit with the feeding. And the. And I'm like, no, it doesn't matter. I want to do the show. I really want to do the show. And as you say, Mark is just such a delight to work with. And Ian's music just... It, it, it sends shivers down my spine. I've always had a fascination about this this, this part of, of the history anyway, so it's, it feels oh, it's wonderful. Wonderful. And I feel very lucky to have nabbed you again because your career, quite rightly, has completely taken off, Audrey. And I've watched from the sidelines <laughs> with such pride and excitement, from Grinning Man to Pinocchio to Amelie. Just amazing. Does it feel amazing? Because I know what actors are like. It, you you'll look back one day and think look what happened but are you are you feeling it you feeling i am i i i am i am definitely um definitely but i i look back in my life and and, and i can't say that the, the the work that i'm doing now is better than the work that i've that, that i did uh, you know 10 10 years ago whatever i i the Wild Bride and and flying lovers and everything are still fantastic pieces and and I, I don't know. I, it's, yes, I, I am really proud of my career, but sometimes I have the nostalgia of before, mm. if that makes any sense. Well, um, I, me too. You know I do. You can <laughs> go back. You can only go forwards. And Absolutely. the wonderful thing is that how people come back into your life and chapters that you think are closed open up again. So especially now... As proven for next week. Oh, absolutely. You know, I just sort of think, just bring it on and... You know, if if being my ripe old age has taught me anything, is that nothing's ever over. There's just always a new adventure to come and a and a new surprise. So yes, you should yes. be bloody fantastic. And you know, and I'm just delighted to have been a part of your journey. Ow. So before I say goodbye to you, I'm going to play us out on a the wonderful um, musical piece from um, Flying Lovers, which is which starts with No One Knows It and then goes into the beautiful piano trio sung by you and Mark um, Ian Ross on piano James Gow on cello but before I say goodbye can I say thank you thank you for your blistering talent Audrey thank you for your irresistible charm and your charisma you're one of the most beautiful voices and intoxicating spirits of your generation and I'm just delighted that you still want to work with me every now and again always Thank you so much for having me. It's been a total pleasure. <laughs> Thank you, Audrey Brisson. You're the best. Keiner weist es nicht, a viele du allein. 
als wenn es ein Samen mit mir die Schone stiehlen. Dann führe ich mit die Fingerspitzen über meine Lippen und nehm von sie ab, dein Namen wird fielen. No one knows it, not even you. But when I am alone in my quiet hours, then do I lead my fingertips over my lips and take from them your name like a a memory or connection you'd like to share on tea and biscuits leave us a message on our phone line 0117 318 3846 that's 0117 318 3846 keep checking our social media for details of our next show tea and biscuits is part of wise children's lockdown thanks for hanging out with us bye <laughs>